Hey friends, thanks for joining us for another episode of End of the Night, our podcast that's inspired by the conversation shared over a cocktail after the event wraps. I'm Cassie Anderson, owner and creative director of Cassie Rose Events, a luxury planning and production firm based here in Michigan. And I'm so glad you're here. Today, I'm joined by my friend, the ever so entertaining Patrick Clayton, founder and owner of Patrick J. Clayton Productions, which is a full service event design and production company based in New York City. I visited Patrick while I was in NYC last fall and was just so enthralled by his contagious enthusiasm, creative vision, and undeniable warmth. Naturally, our chat evolves from the complexities of the event world post-pandemic to branding and big picture goals and, well... Let's just put it this way. If you're looking for a laugh, (laughs) you're in luck. This is a good one, folks. Listen in. Patrick, I'm so excited to be chatting with you today. The last time I saw you in New York, you were in the throes of hustle and bustle in your studio. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This is a fun experience to be part of. Events are coming back. Experiences are coming back, all with a little bit different kind of rules and vibes, but it's very exciting again. What's changing? I think what's returning is that people want to, like, get out and do something. Yeah, They're like, oh, my God, I got an invitation. I want to go do this thing. And then they show up. Yes. (laughs) There was such, like, almost event tiredness or something. over the Fatigue. Yeah, exactly. Over the last few years, you know, you you kind of never knew if people were going to show up, especially for, you know, we specialize in corporate events. That was a bigger X factor. And now people are like, yeah, like, sign me up. So I think the excitement is back. And I think people want to do something. They want to see a friend they haven't seen. They want to, you know, have a cocktail or whatever. I think what's changed, just vaccine requirements and, you know, COVID testing and extra precautions, both with deliveries, with buildings, with venues. Are people mostly respectful of that, understanding of that, or are you getting any pushback? There's been zero pushback. People just want to have fun, and so they'll follow some extra rules so that they can do that. So they can do it, totally. So much of what you're doing has experiential elements, but when you're proposing it to a client, like the idea is more abstract, right? It is. And I'm always curious about this with like branding folks. Yeah. How do you sort of present an idea to a client? You have to like sort of sell them on it without actually showing them the end result. Right. Well, and it's, you know, we kind of find out what the client wants. You know, what is their goal? Do they want followers? Do they want just a million selfies? Do they want to give product away? Is it more educational? Is it consumer? Or is it, you know, kind of editorial or a private event? Yeah. And we kind of work backwards from there. A lot of the events as well, especially with experiential, instead of putting 200 people in a room at one time, they might have a 10 hour long event and do 20 at a time all day. Mm -hmm. So the space or the vibe instantly changes. And so that's going to change, you know, what this installation or experience is. Because sometimes just putting 200 people in a room is the experience. Is the experience, right? Right. Is the experience. What do you think people get wrong when they're starting to think about their branding? Do you feel like there's stuff that you're constantly having to tell people like, I know you think you want this, but you really don't. Yes, I, and I feel very passionately about it. Logos. Oh. Brands think that putting a logo on every square inch of their event is going to help them. And I actually think it can hurt them. Really? They're like, we need five logos in every picture. And I'm like, who's going to post that picture? Right. 
So we say they know why they're there, right? You invited them. Brand ABC invited you. So you know there's an expectation that you're going to post a couple photos or that you're going to interact with this brand. We say do a few logos and do them right. Do them big. Do a really fun big flower wall or step and repeat. Yep. You know, do brand all the pillows, but then don't brand all the napkins. Or do brand right. the bar, but don't brand, you know, the carpet. And some brands just want to put a thousand logos on a thousand things and it can get really cheesy. And I think that it can work against them. I come from a PR background and my whole, I say it all the time to my team. I'm like, they know why they're there. The guests know why they're there. They, you know, this brand invited them. So they're going to have a visceral experience. How do you get people away from that? It's hard. Because <laughs> I think about it from an event perspective, right? Where it's mm -hmm. like, I certainly get clients who are like, we want our logo on the napkins, on the dance floor, on the stirrers, on the welcome bags, on the this, on the that. And I was like, okay, well, this better be a really cool logo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I know for me, like what we talk about a lot is like, yes, of course, let's like do some cool monogram logo, whatever. Sure, sure. But like, are there other elements that can be cohesive in tying the event together that are not Cassie and Ryan forever, September 28, right. 2013, right? Like, is it our colors? Is it our patterns? Is it our materials? Is it our textures? You probably do a lot of that too. I was literally going to say color and pattern. Those are my yeah. first two things is like, show that, repeat that. And I do maybe think a wedding with monograms is slightly different than kind of a, you know, Fortune 500 company where yeah, everyone yeah. in the world recognizes their logo. Yep. And you know what? The photographer has a big part in that too. And so I will walk the photographer through, here are your shots. Yeah. You know, if a celebrity or an important person or a VIP wants their photo taken, here's a couple key logos. So your photographer is a really amazing partner in that as well. That's actually a really good point that I hadn't considered, right? Like you can still strategically get the shot that you need for the impact that you're going for without having it raining down logos everywhere. Yeah. It's interesting when you talk about the style of photography or sort of that image that we're projecting as certain brands. And it makes me think a lot about like the merchandise displays that you have a lot of experience with. I mean, it's a physical thing, but it's like essentially a snapshot, right? Yeah. Here's how I want you to experience this store, this brand, whatever it might be. Can you talk about that a little bit? I grew up in retail. My grandparents had retail stores, holiday stores. My mother had a home interior design store. I literally grew up in retail and I studied retail. I studied store design here in New York City and then worked for several companies doing store design and window display. So much of that experience is the window display. You have to get people to come inside, especially now when no one wants to go inside anywhere. Right. <laughs> you know, you like, what is that window display? You have to show something big, the lighting, the display, whether it's flowers or very, you know, modern and simple and, and risers and things. In at, at my company, we talk a lot about discovery. Mm. So it's like you might see a window from across the street and you're like, ooh, look at that purse. It's a giant purse. I'm going to go look at that. You're looking at that purse. You see the tiny, I don't know, piece of jewelry or you see this other accessory or you see all the layers of a window display and you stand at that window for 10 minutes looking at all this merchandise. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe it's 8 p.m. on 5th or Madison Avenue or something and you're like, I'm going to come back here tomorrow when the store is open. Or you go in right then because it is open. But I, I think that it really is an experience. It's so fascinating because it's, I don't want to say it's the opposite of like an experiential event that you're like, right. you're in, you're touching, you're exploring, you're whatever, but it sort of is the opposite of it, right? It's like, but it has to, but it has to sort of elude or like encourage you to take that next step. 
where an experiential environment, you're kind of walking step by step forward and you're maybe going through something or one station to the next. Yeah. A window display or a retail display even, maybe it's right after you get in the store and there's kind of a, a front display. You can stand there and have a full experience without moving. Right. I know that you work with so many materials, so many cool brands doing all sorts of out of the box, but also very literally in the box. In the box. Things. What's something you haven't done yet or like a brand that you would love to work with or just like something that's like, oh, it'd be so cool to do this. There's some crazy bucket list items that I suppose that I have. I would love to, you know, plan a a weekend in Europe, maybe France, the southern part of France for a company. Yeah. I would love to work with Richard Branson on his new cruise ship that's docked here in New York City. I was just going to say, I want to do something on a boat, like a huge something. Huge boat. It's so traditional, but I feel like, you know, the the Virgin brand is so out of the box. Mm -hmm. You know, they'd be like, sure, let's hang that from the ceiling and see what happens or you know like yeah yeah. whatever it is I think they'd be so open to kind of fun and out-of-the-box ideas we've coordinated some you know a really large trade show about six months before the pandemic and that was something I really loved I would love to like be the head organizer again Mm -hmm. for another just huge trade show I think that there's so many interesting logistical details about all of that I love a spreadsheet oh my gosh Patrick (laughs) you are speaking my love language spreadsheets are my love language Spreadsheet. I tell people all these kids in event planning when I go to schools and talk and I'm like, the creative part I love. And I was like, but I love the spreadsheets and the budgets and I love that side just as much. I Yeah. You can plan a great party for your sister, you know, for her baby shower or something. But if you can't monetize it, then you can't be an event planner. No. I love the creative details. I can geek out on a beautiful linen as much as the next person. But for us as a business philosophy... Your event is only going to be as beautiful as the operational and logistical foundation that it sits on. Yeah. I don't care how great this floral installation is if we haven't worked out the production timeline to allow enough time for the install, right? Like all of those things that I feel like sometimes get so overlooked or just like not given enough attention. Maybe because that's also our wheelhouse. Sure. I love the design, but like the logistical stuff is like my bread and butter. You know, it's like I could do spreadsheets all day. I tell that to clients too. It's it's sort of like, yes, we can adjust the colors on that flower wall, but like, can we get the extra time to set it up? Right. One of the things that we talked about a little bit when I last saw you in New York too, was just this idea of sustainability in this industry and how there's a lot of waste. There's a lot of opportunity for sustainability and becoming more sustainable, but it's hard. It's hard even just like- It's hard. I mean, we were talking about some of the like packaging and things like that. What are some of the challenges that you see? It is, it's, it's so wasteful and- and speaking on behalf of all of society, we as, <laughs> we as society, pod, we just, we speak yeah, for everyone. You know, <laughs> speaking for the human population, we have been so wasteful. And, you know, during the pandemic and rightfully slow, we were all chopped in our houses. So all we did was order things. And kind of one way that my business pivoted during quarantine and pandemic was we started doing gift boxes instead of events. You know, for our clients, instead of throwing a party, they might, you know, send out 100 gift boxes with kind of, you know, a DIY cocktail kit or, a you know, a yoga session or something. And then I was like, oh, God, now I'm part of the problem. And not only part of the problem, but I'm making it worse. And so, you know, we worked with our printing company. We sourced completely 100% recyclable cardboard. We use only soy ink. Mm. All of the boxes that we've sent, and we've sent now just over 40,000 in the last year, are completely biodegradable. You can throw them, you shouldn't, but you could throw them in a lake and they would be fine. 
I appreciate the little disclaimer, like, Don't. please do not throw these in the lake. Please just recycle them. <laughs> Put them in your them. compost. <laughs> yeah, using all post-consumer waste cardboard and then printing with soy ink on them, they're, they're non-toxic. Have you found, though, that it's more expensive to do that on your oh, own? It's a lot more expensive. Yeah. And so we're grateful to clients. We are lucky enough to work with some big brands that sustainability yeah. is a factor. And they love that, especially for all the people receiving them. And believe me, a lot of like editors or influencers or, you know, this guest list, they're getting a lot of these boxes. And yeah. so when they see one of our boxes that says like everything in this box is biodegradable, they have a warm fuzzy for the brand. Smart. We've also told people to like stop sending personalized water bottles, stop sending personalized tote bags. Like no one needs another water bottle no. or another tote bag. <laughs> when I was in New York and we were chatting in your studio, yeah. sort of in a joking way, you were like, oh my gosh, on the, on the podcast, can we please talk about gender reveals? So now my interest is so piqued. I feel like you have a very impassioned perspective to share. I fucking hate gender reveals. <laughs> First of all, it's dumb. Like, no one cares. Nobody cares. Because really, they're sex reveal parties, not gender reveal parties. If your mom needs a gender reveal party, then, like, take a cupcake to her house and just give it to her. I just don't understand it. I don't get it. But what's funny is I've never watched one and thought, like, oh, that was a really cool idea. Right. I've always thought, like, well, now you have a shit ton of confetti to pick up. Yes. Or like, wait a second, where did those balloons just drift off to? It's this kind of unnecessary thing that I'm always just like, why spend money on that? Yeah. Like you could do a family group text. It's a boy. It's a boy. No one wants to come over to your house on a Sunday afternoon to pop a balloon. They have things to do. I mean, unless there's a lot of mimosas and maybe a Bloody Mary and a lot yeah. of snacks. Right. <laughs> maybe you could get me over Maybe, there. maybe. <laughs> What else do you hate? I'm curious. But I get frustrated when couples for weddings spend money unnecessarily. Yeah. I'm like, you don't need that. I'm like, don't you want like a house or don't you want to remodel your bathroom? I, I always think that to myself and I'm like, I will, I will take your money. <laughs> but I'm, you know, I feel for couples that, you know, they're young mostly and, you know, it's just, I feel bad that it's so much of it is to like impress their friends when really their friends don't care. Their friends want to come and have some drinks and dance with you. Especially now, right? I've actually found to that point that my clients, I think, are still willing and wanting to spend money, not necessarily to impress people as much anymore, but to really deepen that experience. But they also really want to make sure that their guests are very well taken care of and they're putting money towards things like that, whether it's like beautiful gifting yeah. or making sure there really is like a awesome band and really amazing food experience, whatever it might be. A hundred percent of a few of the weddings we're working on, they feel more like really fun cocktail parties. Mm -hmm. Like it feels just like a fun party. Yeah. And I think that's really nice yeah. because of the exact reasons you're describing. Yeah, I think so too. And I hope that is something that is here to stay. Patrick, this has been awesome. I'm so glad that you took the time to chat with me today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thanks again for tuning in to End of the Night. You can follow Patrick and his incredible team on Instagram at PJCProd and on the web at PatrickJClaytonProductions.com. Love the conversation? Please rate and review or drop me a note and tell me more. And of course, follow along with our work on Instagram at Cassie Rose Events and on the web at CassieRoseEvents.com. Talk soon.